We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This lesson is called, This is the Spirit of Revelation, and it's Doctrine and Covenants chapter, or section 6 through 9. And I really like what it says in the, the primary instruction manual. It says, begin preparing to teach by reading Doctrine and Covenants 6 through 9. Come follow me for individuals and families, and this outline can spark ideas about how to teach the children in your class. I like that it says that it can spark ideas, because I like that it, it still leaves it up to you, and it, it implies that you don't have to use all the things in this lesson, that you can have ideas too. And I think that's important to remember as mothers, as teachers, that we're able to receive revelation and we can come up with our own ideas. Um, and as I've been studying these lessons and, and compiling all these ideas, it sparks new ideas, but also helps me appreciate the work and effort that the people who wrote these manuals put into them and how much information they've gathered together. And it makes me excited to use the resources that we have been given to study Come Follow Me. And especially this year as we're studying the Doctrine and Covenants, I feel like I don't know that much about the background and the people. And I'm excited to, to learn more about it and to be more immersed in what um, as I study, come follow me. There's so many resources that I can use to help me understand the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, so the introduction says, Do the children know Oliver Cowdery's story about receiving an answer to prayer? Perhaps they too have a had an experience with prayer that they could share. A little background about what's going on. It says, In the fall of 1829, a young school teacher named Oliver Cowdery took a teaching job in Manchester, New York, and stayed with the family of Lucy and Joseph Smith Sr., Oliver had heard about their son, Joseph, who was now living in Harmony, Pennsylvania. And Oliver, who considered himself a seeker of truth, wanted to know more. The Smiths described visits from angels, an ancient record, and the gift to translate by the power of God. Oliver was fascinated. Could it be true? Lucy and Joseph Sr. gave him advice that applies to anyone seeking truth. Pray and ask the Lord. Oliver did, and the Lord answered, speaking peace and reassurance to Oliver's mind. Revelation Oliver discovered can be personal, something he would learn even more profoundly in the coming months. Revelation isn't just for prophets. It's for anyone who desires it and seeks it. Oliver didn't know everything yet, but he knew enough to take his next step. The Lord was doing something important through Joseph Smith, and Oliver wanted to be a part of it. In spring 1829, Oliver Cowdery traveled to Harmony and volunteered to be Joseph Smith's scribe as he translated the Book of Mormon. Oliver now had a close view of the revel revelatory process of translation. The experience thrilled him, and he wondered if he could also be blessed with a gift to translate. The Lord allowed him to attempt to translate, but receiving revelation was new for Oliver, and his attempt did not go well. He still had a lot to learn, and Doctrine and Covenants 6, 8, and 9 show that the Lord was willing to teach him. I, in studying this lesson and looking through both the individuals and families manual and the primary manual, it's made me, ha I have so much, and I, I mentioned this a minute ago, but I have so much respect for the people who came up with these because they really, these, these manuals really do support each other and complement each other really, really beautifully. And it made me, when I, we first started doing Come Follow Me, I was really nervous 
to use the primary manual as a parent because I didn't want to teach the same lesson that their teacher was going to teach them on Sunday. And I didn't want them to have the same object lesson or to give away the answers because I wanted the teacher to be able to like, you know, do the object lesson with them and have my kids learn something. But as I've been doing things at home and studying these lessons and, and seeing how they play together, I am just in awe at how beautiful they work together and how beautiful it is when the kids are taught at home during the week. Like you teach your kids that story and then they go to primary on Sunday and the first question the teacher says, do you know the story of Oliver Cowdery and him receiving an answer to prayer? If you have uh, talked about this story during the week, your kids probably have an answer for that. And if they have an answer, it may or may not be the right one because of how well they listen at home, right? We all know that kids don't always fully listen to everything, but I think they get a lot more out of our teaching than we give them credit for. But how beautiful is that 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 is the first thing? And then if they give their answer, the teacher can improve upon that or correct them, or it's just re-solidifying re in their mind the, the story and the objective of the lesson and what we're trying to get across. And I really like how they play together. I think for some reason this, this week it just really stood out to me how they work together so well. Alright, so um, I wanted to share with you the manual always has the objective listed, but it's not listed as the objective. And if you are familiar with teaching terms, the objective of the lesson is what you want the kids to leave your lesson with, right? So like if I was teaching a math lesson and, you know, we, my objective of the class was that my kids would know how to add two numbers together. So by the time I'm done with my lesson, I want my kids to walk out the door to be able to go home and be able to add numbers, right? That's the objective of the lesson. So everything I do during that lesson points back to that objective. And in the primary manual, it has the objective listed. And I really wanted to point out that this is the objective. And we can so easily get sidetracked from all these other things that could be going on. But if you think about this specific thing, it's it kind of simplifies all the things you have to do during the week. If that makes sense. And it, and sometimes you just come back to that. And, and a lot of times when I pull activities from other sources or like the coloring pages that I'll sometimes find online, I usually find something that has to do with the objective. So if the objective happens to be about the priesthood and um, recognizing the priesthood or respecting the priesthood, I'll find a coloring page that has to do with the priesthood or if it has to do with the, about Jesus or, or serving others, you know, if that makes sense. So I try to find something that is centered around that objective. So this week, drum roll, I guess, because I've been leading up to this for so long, right? I'm very wordy and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the objective this week, it says, help the children understand that they have a loving father in heaven who listens to their prayers and answers them through his spirit. And I just started thinking about that. If that's the only thing my kids get out of it this week, that is powerful. I want my kids to understand that my father loves them and that they can pray to him and he will answer their prayers. 
And the way that their prayers are answered often and how they receive revelation is through the Spirit. If that's all my kids learn this week, boom. How powerful is that? And I think when we focus our efforts on that and focus our efforts on helping our children's testimonies be developed in Heavenly Father loving them and He listens to their prayers. That is powerful, right? So I think it's just good to remind ourselves what our goal is um, in all of this. Okay, so the first section that I studied um, in the primary manual, the header is Heavenly Father can speak to us through the Holy Ghost. Um, so it says, tell the children that Oliver Cowdery tried to translate the Book of Mormon but couldn't. So Joseph asked the Lord um, to, for a revelation. And I, I know I've heard this story before, but I don't think I had really thought that much about it. And um, as I was learning more about it, Oliver Cowdery was promised to be able to translate. And he really, really wanted to be able to translate. He wanted to have more of a, be more instrumental to the Lord. And he tried to translate, but he, I mean, this is someone who had just learned about Joseph Smith <laughs> and had just developed a testimony in the Book of Mormon and the truthfulness of all that Joseph was doing. He was helping Joseph translate the Book of Mormon, which is awesome. And I'm sure his experience with all of that was beautiful, but he hadn't had a lot of experience um, with Revelation yet. And so that that's... His, why he wasn't able to translate. Um, so, you can talk to the kids a little bit about Oliver Cowdery was trying to do this. He wanted to translate the Book of Mormon just like Joseph Smith did. And I'm sure the kids would feel like, yeah, like, they understand. I want to have the same experience as my friend or my brother, right? They, the kids are all about fairness, right? <laughs> so I'm sure they could totally relate to Oliver Cowdery wanting to have a turn. So it says, read to the children the Lord's answer in section 9, verse 8. It says, Be, but behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then when you must, then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. Invite them to pretend to study and to pray. Help the children understand that this is how we can receive answers from the Lord too. By studying and asking for his help. You could also have the children touch their hands to their chest when you read, and their head when they when you read the word mind and heart. So have them point to their mind when you point to their head when you say mind, and point to their chest when you say heart. Um, and so when you read, this is uh, Doctrine and Covenants eight two is when you do that activity. It says, "Ye behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you, and which shall dwell in your heart." Another thing you could do along with um, that verse of scripture is that you could draw on the board a head and a heart and have the children read that, that read that verse or read it to them. And then you can have them talk, you could talk about how they feel in their mind and how they feel in their heart or maybe if they feel in both. In the individuals and families manual, um, this is, it, it talks about um, how, when you read those verses and, and study section 8 and really all of it. This whole section is about revelation, so all of it is really good. Um, it, it asks the question, which again, like I was saying, 
when there's a question put there, it makes you really think. And I really like, it says, what are ways that it, you, what are, how do you learn about how you receive revelation from section six through nine? And so I was reading and I selected a few, a few things to, to focus on. One of which is, um, so, okay, I'm rewinding just a little bit. Um, it's really good to talk to the kids about how you receive revelation and how you experience revelation from the Lord. Because if, as the kids recognize examples, I think they'll be able to see in their own life examples of how they, they receive it. And this is something that the Lord, or that President Nelson has asked us to do anyway. So I think it's good for us to focus on how we receive revelation. Plus, it will help you be a better parent because you will be able to receive your own revelation and recognize when you are being instructed by the Spirit. So, <clears throat> one of the ways that we um, receive revelation is the, the Lord, or the Spirit, instructs us when we ask for it. I love and you hear this often that the spirit is the master teacher, but it's true. Um, some of the best experiences I've had reading the scriptures has been when I've been pondering and studying things out in my mind and the Holy Ghost comes and just teaches me something totally new. I have a new thought in my mind or the, it's confirmed in my mind that the, the way I'm thinking about something is true and the Spirit can instruct us and teach us. The Spirit also brings peace. When we feel the Spirit, we feel peaceful. There's been many times in my life when I've been trying to um, make a decision or um, my husband and I have been trying to make a decision together um, and we'll pray and sometimes you just feel uneasy, you know, you just and or you just feel nervous. But there's been so many times in my life when I've prayed and I just, I feel at peace. I know everything's going to work out. I know that it's going to, like, I just feel so peaceful. And that is an answer to a prayer. That peaceful feeling that you have is a way that the Lord can give you revelation. Another way you can receive revelation is that it, the Lord can witness things to you that he knows. He can witness unto you that he knows your thoughts. And that's something he, he says to Oliver Cowdery in these sections. He, he, he reminds him, like, don't you remember when I spoke to you in your heart when you prayed? And I love that thought that that was a private moment for Oliver when he was praying and he got a, he got a confirmation before he even went and met Joseph Smith. He had a confirmation and then he went and met Joseph Smith and tried to translate and, and was frustrated and, and he and Joseph received this revelation for him after that and... It was, it's beautiful that the Lord recognizes Oliver's attempts at that prayer. And, and he said, remember when I already witnessed unto you. And I like that. I like that the Lord can, can prove to us that he knows us and knows us intimately and personally. He will speak to your mind and heart, which is one that we've talked about. And then, um, I'm going to read section nine verses eight through nine it says you must study it out in your mind then you must ask me if it be right and if it is right i will cause that your bosom shall burn within you therefore you shall feel that it is right but if it be not right you shall receive no such feelings but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong therefore you cannot write that which is sacred save it be given you from me now i love 
I remember when I was going through a time when I was um, in college, I was trying to decide my major and I was having a really hard time changing my major officially. I had decided to go into English. That was my original plan was to go into English and become um, an editor. I wanted to edit books and have an excuse to read all day. <laughs> and uh, that was my original plan. Um, but people, like, I, so many people kept, when they found out I was majoring in English, they say, oh, are you going to teach? And I say, no, that wasn't my plan. I don't really want to be a teacher. But, um, eventually I had a roommate who was going into art education and she convinced me to take an intro into education with her. The, the very first education class you can take. She convinced me to take the class with her. She's like, you should just try it and see if, you know, if it's even something that interests you. And I took the class. <laughs> I hated the class because a lot of it was like the history and the philosophy of teaching. And it was so boring. <laughs> but something happened to me when I was in that class. I felt like maybe I was supposed to teach. And and uh, anyway, I but I had a really hard time officially changing my major and switching. And, and when I was trying to decide, I was like, well, should I teach English? Like, what should I do? And and I prayed and prayed, and I had a semester off of teaching, and that whole semester, I just prayed so earnestly to know what to do, because I was a little bit farther into the English program than was comfortable for me to switch out of. Um, I was about two years into my degree, and so I knew that some of my credits wouldn't transfer, and anyway, it was just a little bit overwhelming to think of changing my degree at that point and I prayed and prayed and prayed for months I've been praying and I remember there was a talk and I think it was Elder Scott and I probably should have looked this up but I think it was Elder Scott that gave a talk all about revelation and I remember him quoting this verse and it just like hit me so strong that what like this is how the Lord was trying to talk to me that I would feel so good about my decision, and if I felt that stupor of thought, if I just felt like I couldn't focus on it, it was wrong. And I, so soon after that, I kind of fine-tuned my, my awareness to the Spirit, and I was able to recognize that what the Lord was trying to tell me that the whole time I'd been praying. And I just had so many experiences after that, that just really witnessed to me some of the things the Lord wanted me to do in my life at that point. One of which was change my major, and I became an elementary education major. And another thing that was, for some reason, just so powerful was um, I was supposed to move um, apartment buildings that I was, I had been staying in the same apartment up until that point, and I just really felt strongly that I was supposed to move. And I found this other apartment and they were single, it was private rooms, and I just felt weird about private rooms, and for some reason, I just was a little uneasy, because I think there's a stigma around having a private room that you were, I don't know, stuck up, or snotty, or rich, or I don't know, or promiscuous was the other thing that sometimes stood out, and, uh, but I, f I found this apartment complex, and I just felt so strongly that I was supposed to live there. And it turns out I met some really amazing people when I lived there. I had some roommates that have just really become close friends and people that I've just stayed really close to and people that I really felt strongly that the Lord led me to. 
And if I hadn't fine-tuned those, that experience, like my, my ability to receive revelation, I don't know if I would have moved forward with some of the things in, at that time in my life because there were just so many things I just was like, I don't understand. Like, this doesn't make sense. I don't think this is really what I'm supposed to be doing until I moved forward with the feelings and the impressions I had and I knew what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, anyway, there you go. There's an experience I'm sharing with you. An experience I had with receiving the revela um, revelation. Um, so one of the other objectives in this lesson, it, it has, you know, many objectives throughout as well. It says, help the children understand that the Heavenly Father speaks to us through the Holy Ghost who gives us thoughts and feelings. I love that, that if you help the kids understand, like Joseph Smith saw Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, but we still get to communicate with Heavenly Father just because he doesn't come and visit us doesn't mean that we don't get to have a relationship with him or have him be a part of our lives. Helping them see that the Holy Ghost is part of part of that relationship is is powerful. And I know once I once I learned that in my life and realized that that is the Holy Ghost's role is to to teach me how much Heavenly Father loves me and to to embrace me and to comfort me and be that be that person in my life that the Lord he sends the, he sends the Holy Ghost for me when I need him. Um, it definitely has helped me feel very close to my Heavenly Father in my life. All right. It says, tell the children from your experiences what it's like when the Holy Ghost speaks to your mind and heart. Oh, sorry. I get so emotional sometimes. <laughs> if they've received the, whole, the gift of the Holy Ghost, ask if they understand how to recognize personal revelation from the Spirit. I am excited to teach this to my son who is about to get the Holy Ghost. He will get baptized and get, um, receive the Holy Ghost this year. And I'm excited to teach him all about the Holy Ghost and how to recognize it in his life. This is so, so important in our kids' lives. I think, especially like the new youth curriculum is all about helping them receive revelation because it's all about them having an experience that's personal and relevant to them. What is the most important for them at this time? And they make their own goals and they experience things that are personal and individual. And the way that they can make these goals and, and focus on things that, is, that are going to be unique to them is by receiving some revelation and, and knowing what the Lord has in store for them. All right, it says, read together Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 5. And it says, therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. Um, and then it says, in the individuals and families, it, want, it asks with this section. It says, what does the Lord require from us in order for us to receive? And there's a few other verses that it lists. So it, it's, um, it, you can get the answers to these questions um, in section 6, verses 5 through 7. Section 8, verse 1, or section 9, verses 7 through 8. So the answers to that question that I found are that you need to ask. You need to keep the commandments. You need to seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Seek not for riches, but for wisdom. Have an honest heart. Have faith and believe that you will receive. 
and then study it out in your mind and then ask. Now, I think the primary manual keeps it really simple. They focus on if you ask, Heavenly Father will listen and he will answer you. And they focus on this is how he will answer you is through the Holy Ghost. And then it gets a little bit deeper in the individuals and families manual about what we should be doing in our lives to receive revelation. And I think you as a parent or a primary teacher, whoever's listening, can help the kids see what they, how they need to be living their lives um, through example. But also, I mean, you can, you can gauge how ready they are to talk about this kind of stuff. But you can, you can teach them that if they're making bad choices, if they're not choosing the right, the Holy Ghost is not going to be with them. And the Lord is not going to send the Holy Ghost to give them answers to their prayers if they're not worthy of the Holy Ghost. And so if you talk about the things that it takes to have the Holy Ghost be part of their life, that will, it, 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 in an appropriate situation, it will help the kids recognize ways that they need to change. Now, the young kids, this is probably way over their head, <laughs> but the older kids, I think it's important to teach them if they're feeling struggling and saying, oh, well, I don't know how the Holy Ghost talks to me. And I don't know if I even feel the Holy Ghost. You could bring these up and say, well, are you trying to keep the commandments? Are you choosing the right? Are you trying to focus on being honest and, and being faithful and, and trying to to really put your own effort into this situation? And it, I like that it, the manual often asks to invite the children to share experiences they've had with praying and receiving answers. Because the kids really have had a lot of experience with these, um, especially by the time they're 10 or 11. Hopefully they've had an experience that they could share. Because these are like the experiences that we share, like my experience in college, is way over their head. Because the idea of praying to change your major is way over kids heads that's so far in the future for them like at least in their minds it's so far in the future that it doesn't it's not relevant but if they have a friend who shares an experience about trying to do well on a test at school or a friend says well I lost my game and I couldn't find it and then I prayed and the Lord helped me find it those are examples of that they can relate to and examples that they can they can apply in their own life so the next time they struggle at school or the next time they lose something they're going to think well I should pray and the Lord will help me and when we hear experiences for, that other people share it shows us and puts it in our minds that the Lord will be there for us and it helps solidify our faith so that when we ask in faith that that testimony is there and we, we will receive the answer that we're looking for. It also says to help them think of examples of someone in the scriptures who prayed and received an answer to a question. So one of there's multiple stories, and I kind of just wanted to, to touch on each of them that the lesson suggested. I'm sure there's lots more out there, but one was Nephi. Um, when Nephi prays to know about his dad when after Lehi has his vision and teaches his family. Nephi wants to have a similar experience. He wants to know that what his father saw was true. He wants to believe, and so he prays. And he receives another miraculous and amazing vision. 
Um, it talks about Enos when Enos prayed. Um, that was powerful when Enos, he prays for forgiveness and he prays for, um, prays for others and the Lord, the Lord tells him that he's forgiven and he blesses him and, and he also makes promises with him about, um, his brethren. Um, it talks about, uh, in ether, it talks about the brother of Jared when he, um, prays and is trying to build these, these barges and he's trying to figure out what, how to have light. And it talks about, um, that experience that he had with, with the Lord coming and touching the stones. And, and then because of his faith, the Lord made himself manifest unto Jared. And that is a great, another way to show faith in revelation. Um, all right. Some of the songs that it suggests that you sing is to sing the Holy Ghost, which is in the primary songbook, listen, listen, or the still small voice. And it encourages you to talk about how the song teaches about the spirit and how the spirit speaks to us. And, um, in the individual and families, man, individuals and families manual, um, it suggests a couple talks, which are so good. And I really encourage you to study these because I feel the more prepared you are going into teaching your kids or, or experiencing your own education in this topic, I think it's going to help you as you're teaching your kids. So the, the talks that it suggests you read, one is President Nelson called Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. And that was in 2018. That was April of 2018. And then the other one is Julie B. Beck. And upon the handmaids in those days will I pour, up my, pour out my spirit. And that was in 2010. I think it was April. Yeah, April of 2010. And then if you look in, there's a link in the Individuals and Families Manual if you are using your gospel app, gospel tools app. There's a link in there that will take you to the Revelation in Context. Revelations in Context. Sorry, I'm just really struggling with enunciating today. And it talks about Oliver Cowdery and his... It, it really summarizes what happens in these chapters in the background. As, and it's really good to help you understand where Oliver Cowdery is coming from. I really enjoyed reading that. And then... Another thing that the manual suggests is that you can see the church has the video collections. The uh, It's a collection of, um, I think, the uh, the apostles, general authorities, um, and how they hear him. So with President Nelson's in, um, encouragement for us to hear him, it, it goes through all of their experiences and I love that they share their experiences with us so we can see ways that they feel the spirit and ways that they hear the Lord. In section six, verse seven, it says, Seek not for riches but for wisdom, and behold the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto you, and then shall you be made rich. Behold he that hath eternal life is rich. And in the individuals and families manual it has a section um, down at the bottom where it talks about um, activities to do with family. It says, how can you help your family understand real riches are found in eternal life? You could invite family members to make pretend money 
and write or draw on some of the many blessings your family has received because of the restored gospel. So just an idea of, of something you could help my kids get really into the idea of money and being rich. <laughs> they like to make their own money and play with it quite often. And I think that would help them see that the blessings that we are given from the Lord are more than just money. It's There's so many other things that we could be grateful for. The Another section in the... The next section heading is, With the Savior's help, I don't need to be afraid. It says, Oliver, or Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery had many reasons to be afraid. Persecution and poverty were just some of the challenges they faced. And it, um, as you read in section 6, verse 34, it says, Therefore, fear not, little flock. Do good. Let earth and hell combine against you, for if ye are built upon my rock, they cannot prevail. And it has, it wants you to have the kids repeat the phrase, fear not little flock. Isn't that cute? Fear not little flock. I just, oh, it just makes me um, happy. I love the idea of just kind of that, that view of the Lord of has for us and that we're, we're his little flock and he loves us. Just kind of a cute, it feels, it feels very loving the way he refers to that. Um, and it says, explain that a flock is a group of animals like sheep. Show a picture of the Savior as a shepherd and testify that he is watching over us like a shepherd watches over his sheep. Because he loves us, we don't need to be afraid. One of the activities you could do is let the kids pretend to be, be a flock of frightened sheep. And it says, what might sheep sometimes be afraid of? Let one child pretend to be the shepherd keeping his sheep safe. What are we sometimes afraid of? Bear your testimony that Jesus Christ is like our shepherd and that he can calm our fears. I know that my kids would get really into that. I think that was so fun to, to pretend to be sheep and to let the shepherd protect us. Um, and be. I think having things like that and having the kids act those out, those are the experiences that are going to stay in their mind that they're going to remember for a long time. And um, letting them recognize work kind of put a personification on Christ protecting us Christ is the shepherd I think that would be it would be a powerful um, lesson or you know memory for them to have in their head um, it also says sing together a song about the savior such as little lamb so white and fair which I had never heard before it's a cute cute song or I feel my savior's love I wanted to read the words too I feel my savior's love because I it's powerful I when you think of it in in this context as Christ is our protector and as our shepherd it's 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 really powerful and I just wanted to read these words I feel my savior's love in all the world around me his spirit warms my soul through everything I see I feel my savior's love its gentleness enfolds me and when I kneel to pray, my heart is filled with peace. I feel my Savior's love and know that he will bless me. I offer him my heart. My shepherd he will be. I'll share my Savior's love by serving others freely. In serving, I am blessed. In giving, I receive. Verse 3 especially stood out to me when it talks about um, him being a shepherd. And he can only be our shepherd if we let him if we offer him our heart and if we become his sheep and 
I love I love this idea of just really committing to him and giving him our whole heart and letting him protect it. I know we, we sing the song, um, Come Thou Fountain. I love the phrase in there, here's my heart, take and seal it. And the idea of just really trusting the Lord with everything is so powerful. All right, and down in verse 36 of section 6, it says, Look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. And then it says to invite the children to repeat the phrase, doubt not, fear not, and help the kids think of ways that they can look unto or remember the Savior during the coming week. Um, the activity page, so the coloring section, the last page on the ma- this section of the manual, um, it's a picture of a sheep. And it has a little thing you can put around its neck that says, fear not little flock. It's really cute. So you can help them do that and and really help them think about ways that the Lord can help them not be afraid. In the Individuals and Families Manual, it says, what do you find in these verses that helps you trust the Lord? How can you look unto Christ more in your life? I really like this thought of just really focusing on the Lord and following him. If he's our shepherd, not only will he protect us, but he's leading us to to green pastures. He's leading us to where we're going to be safe, and he's protecting us. He can see the dangers, and he will he will warn us of those. Um, if you really dive into this metaphor, it's just really powerful. So I like that idea of looking to him. Are we following him? Are we going the way he wants us to go? Are we recognizing that what he's trying to tell us is going to keep us safe. So if you look for ways that you personally or your family can look more to the to Christ, that is a, it's a great conversation to have and to you know refocus your lives on on the things that are important. Some of the things that um it, it mentions in these verses. It tells he he tells Oliver Cowdery when he, after he tells him to look to Christ, it says, be patient, be sober, be temperate, have patience, faith, hope, and charity. Treasure up these words in thy heart. Be faithful and diligent in keeping the commandments of God, and I will encircle thee in the arms of my love. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I am the same that came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. I am the light which shineth in darkness, and the darketh, darkness comprehendeth it not. I am just drawn to this idea of the light I was (laughs) um with my son this last week we were we had gone in a room in our house with no windows and the door was closed and we were trying to make it dark in there and I was like trying to stuff a towel under the door to try to block out all the light and it was impossible to keep the light out and I just in the moment I was like wow the light will always win. A light is so powerful. Light will always penetrate the darkness. Darkness can't overtake the light. It can't. It just cannot. But light will always overtake the darkness. And it was just a powerful reminder to me that Christ will win. And I loved that idea of of just really focusing on him and, and letting ourselves be drawn to that light. There's a section in the older children's section um, that says, 
fear not to do good. And it talks about this some in the, um, in, in the individual and family manual as well. And it says the children you teach may at times feel afraid to stand for the right. In Doctrine and Covenants 6, section, or verse 33 through 37, it can inspire them to be courageous even in difficult circumstances. So those verses say, Fear not to do good, my sons, for whatsoever ye sow, that shall ye also reap. Therefore, if ye sow good, ye shall also reap good for your reward. Therefore, fear not, little flock, do good. Let earth and hell combine against you, for if ye are built upon my rock, they cannot prevail. Behold, I do not condemn you. Go your ways and sin no more. Perform with soberness the work which I have command commanded you. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. Behold the word, wounds which pierce my side, and also the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. Be faithful, keep my commandments, and ye shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, you can, you can discuss why someone might be scared to do good. Because, you know, we always talk about choosing the right and why that's important. But why wouldn't we choose the right? What are the things that are keeping us from doing that? And... Some of the things I thought of, and I'm sure you guys will think of others, but the things that I thought of are maybe fearing how other people will react to you when you try to choose the right. The, the you know, being made fun of, or, you know, maybe you think you're going to lose friends. Um, maybe if you are telling the truth about something, you might get in trouble. That's something that might be scary. And you could talk about some of these things and maybe the kids will share things that are keeping them from maybe choosing the right sometimes. And that will open up a really good discussion that you can have with your children um, and help me help you see what you can do to maybe help them do better. Because sometimes as parents, we're part of the problem, unfortunately. I know for me, my kids have told me many times, well, mom, you get really mad sometimes or... Um, sometimes my, my oldest, when he's saying prayers, he prays really beautiful prayers sometimes. And I'm just amazed at the things that he says. And, um, there are multiple times in the prayers, he'll say, bless mom and dad that they won't get so mad at us that they'll yell. And it just, it kind of breaks my heart that I sometimes yell at my kids and I know I can do better, but I, I know that if I have this conversation with them and try to, and help help me see ways that I can I can do better if they feel like they're not going to get yelled at for telling me the truth they're probably more likely to tell me the truth alright <clears throat> and it says help the children find words or phrases in these verses that give them courage to do good now can you do you feel that courage there's there's um, in these verses I for me at least as I was reading this it helps me, like, I don't want to be afraid. I want to do what's right. And um, I really love that, like, doubt not, fear not. Like, it's really powerful. And as the Lord says, he's like, look at me. I am the Lord. Look at these these nails, like, the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. I think, it like, he says that to prove who he is, but also to remind us, like, I have gone through a lot, and I never stopped choosing the right, but also... I've sacrificed a lot for you and I'm not done. I'm like, I will always be here for you. Um, it says, help the children make drawings that they can display in their homes to remind them to look unto Jesus Christ in every thought. 
as they make their drawings discuss what looking to the Savior means and how it can keep them safe. We talked a little bit about that, about following him as our shepherd. Um, some of the, the songs that it suggests that so we could sing with this section, it says, Dare to do right, or you could sing, Let us all press on. Um, and it says, Ask the children to find in the song some reasons why we should fear not. And then um, in the Individuals and Families Manual, it suggests a talk by Elder Rasband from November or October of 2018 called Be Not Troubled. And I remember this talk. He talks at the beginning, he talks about his daughter. I think it's his daughter and son-in-law come to him and they ask him and his wife, they said, is it still safe and wise to bring children into the seemingly wicked and frightening world we live in? And I remember when he gave this talk, just I have felt that way so many times in my life when I look at the world, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am, why do I have children in this world? Why are we continuing to bring children into this wicked, awful place? It's very scary and it, it kind of overwhelms me with my job as a mom to try to protect them from it. But I know the Lord will help me with that. I promise that he will. Um, so in in this talk, there's so many good things. And I really wish I could just play the whole talk for you. And you could just listen to it right now. But it's so powerful. He talks about um, Elisha in Second Kings. If you remember, um, the king of Syria had sent a legion that came at night and encompassed the city about. And their intent was to capture and to kill the, pro the prophet. And um, you remember Elijah prayed and said, oh, well, you know, his servant that's with him is like, you know, Lord, there's like, we're going to die, basically. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And I, it's beautiful. I love that story and to remind us to not be scared. Um and he says in there, another quote by Elder Rasband says, Jesus Christ lives. Our love for him and his gospel dispels fear. Another quote I wanted to read says, Our desire to always have his spirit with us will push fear aside for a more eternal view of our mortal lives. President Nelson has cautioned, In coming days it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And then he, um, Elder Rasband gives some things that we can do to, to, to not be scared and to make sure that we're living our lives, um, so that we won't, that we're prepared and won't, and won't fear. The first thing he said is to stand in holy places. When we stand in holy places, our righteous homes, our dedicated chapels, the consecrated temples, we feel the spirit of the Lord with us. There is no room for fear in these holy places of God or in the hearts of his children. Why? Because of love. God loves us always, and we love him. And then he goes on to talk about some love, and he says, perfect love casteth out all fear. I, and I love that. And as I was reading this, I started thinking, you know, we, we talk about the holy places, and of course the temple always comes to mind. And I know I'm not scared for the future when I'm in the temple. It's just the peace that is there is so powerful. But since we've been without that opportunity of going and being in the temple... I was thinking of other ways that I try to stand in holy places. And I do try to go to the temple grounds occasionally. Um, and just even driving by in my car. 
it, it's, it's been powerful. Um, but I, I've been thinking about this a lot and trying to make my home a holy place, a place that my family can, can be and to feel close to the Lord and feel the spirit. And I just, I've been trying so hard. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, it's a mess and sometimes that's stressful and kids are screaming and fighting and doing what kids do. But I hope you think as, as you're doing this of, of ways that you can improve and make your home a more holy place for your, for you to be so that you can cast out fear and, and be able to fill the spirit and receive revelation. Um, and then Elder Rusman talks about President Nelson. He says, President Nelson, who is optimistic about the future, has reminded us if we are to have any hope of sifting through the myriad of voices in the philosophies of men that attack truth, we must learn to receive revelation. To receive personal revelation, we must place priority on living the gospel and encouraging faithfulness and spirituality in others as well as ourselves. Now, there's so much more in that talk that's so good. So I encourage you to go and listen to it or read it. Um, the other talks I cited earlier are also good, but th- those th- this one just really stood out to me and I really wanted to share some things from it. Um, in the, um, the primary manual, it asks to talk to the kids about other examples of people who turn to the Lord to overcome doubt and fear. And it gives the example of Esther and the sons of Mosiah when they went to teach to the Lamanites. And I, as I was thinking about that, I started just really kind of thinking about what it would have been like to, to go and to try to teach the gospel to your enemies people that wanted to kill you I think they were very brave and I I know that they were scared at times I mean I they're human they had to have been and I know that they had faith that even like the Lord would protect them and even if the Lord didn't protect them they were doing what was right and they would you know eternal eternally right so I, I love that idea of just really focusing on the Lord. The last section I wanted to, to be, you know, I wanted to finish with is I can ask in faith. And it says, write on the board without blank, you can do nothing, therefore ask in blank. Invite the children to think of a word that can fit in both blanks. Then read together Doctrine and Covenants 8 verse 10. And that says, remember that without faith, you can do nothing, therefore ask in faith. And... It says, trifle not with these things. Do not ask for that which you ought not. So it says, what are some things we can do if we have faith? Help the children think of things they could ask the Lord to help them with. Invite them to draw a picture that represents something they should ask for. As they show the class their pictures, let the other children guess what the picture represents. I really enjoyed studying about Revelation and really helping myself focus on on experiences that I've had when I've received revelation and been able to be close to the spirit. It's helped me reevaluate myself and where I am with feeling the spirit and trying to recognize revelation in my own life. I am grateful that President Nelson has made a, um, emphasize this lately and helped me really think about how I'm doing with inviting the spirit to be part of my life. I've made an effort to at least once a day focus on on feeling the spirit and trying to kind of communicate with my heavenly father every day. 
and I appreciate this lesson reminded me of what I what I can do to make sure that that can happen helping me choose the right and helping me rely on him more I think so often fear gets in the way and and we just let things into our lives that can be distracting but also debilitating and the world that we live in with all the crazy things that have been going on politically and with the pandemic it just the world seems like a scary place and I'm grateful that when we focus on the things that are eternal these things seem so childish and so minuscule and even though they're not these are big things that affect our lives and are making that make our lives harder and stressful and just keep us up at night right but when we see the world and the events in the world through the eyes of our our heavenly father we can see that this is just so small compared to this grand overall picture when i was talking about the objective at the beginning i think we need to focus on the lord's objective when we get so downtrodden and, and fearful and worried about what's going on in the world around us, if we focus on the Lord's objective and our objective in being here, that will help us recenter our lives. Now, I know the Lord's objective is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men, which means he wants us to return to him. That is the Lord's objective. This lesson this test that we're experiencing here on earth is so that we can return to him. And if we look at it that way, I think it will help us get through it because we know what lies on the other side and that it's not going to destroy us. And even if what's going on in the world around us is horrible and seems so impossible, we know who's going to win and and what the outcome will be. I promise that as you go to the Lord and you pray and you find ways to, to think about it and study it out in your mind. And you ask really in knowing that he'll tell you. He will tell you what your objective is on earth. And I promise you that objective has to do with your family. I know that is the most important thing to the Lord. And that's why the church is making the changes that they're making is because they're trying to help us and support us in our roles as mothers, fathers, family members to these precious spirits here on earth. And then we can help each other as we go through this dirty, ucky, mucky world that we live in. We can help each other through. And I know that the way that the Lord has prepared for us to return to him, we have a huge part in that. We are the teachers of his spirit children. We are his spirit children and we can work together and help each other learn and grow and gain testimonies that will help us return to him. And I want to remind you that the way that we do that 
is through our Savior Jesus Christ. And if we share our love for him and our testimony of him, our family will feel that and they will know. They will know that they can return to our Heavenly Father if they follow our Savior Jesus Christ. I hope you have a great week studying about Revelation and that you have a great time teaching your children. And enjoy. Please share the podcast with anyone you feel would benefit from it. I hope I'm getting better at this, hopefully. (laughs) At least episodes are doing something to help you in your personal study, but also as you're teaching your families. I really, that is really what I want. I want to give moms hope. Don't feel like you have to teach every single piece. Please don't do that. I'm just trying to give you lots of ideas and lots of hope that one of these things will stand out to you and you can do it and you can even if you just listen to this podcast it helps you think about it and maybe it will come up easy in conversation with your kids and it's possible to teach them something that has to do with the gospel this week i love you guys i hope you do great and have a great great week bye (laughs) 